episode of Coach Talk is brought to you by P2C Athlete Prep. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Coach Talk. Today, we're going to be joined by Latanya Lamont, head women's basketball coach from Winston-Salem State University. Coach Lamont, thanks for joining us here on, the, on, the, on this episode. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I look so, I'm so excited to be here today and look forward to this opportunity. Great, Coach. We appreciate it. So we'll kind of get into it to not waste your time. <clears throat> Our focus here is recruiting. So with the pandemic and some states not even playing this year, what are some things that players can do to help market and promote themselves to college coaches and staffs like yourself? Well, first off, don't panic. This is unprecedented times. Um, and what I keep telling a lot of the recruits, and especially parents, is to continue doing what you're doing. Continue going outside, working on your ball handling, working on your shooting abilities. And if you can, videotape um, some of the activities that you guys are doing. The only thing about this season, this year is a little tough because all of our athletes, especially in college, have been granted another year of eligibility. And so that's going to kind of change the way coaches are going to be recruiting and also the way they're going to be spending monies. Uh, you know, at the Division One level, you get 15 full scholarships. And at the Division Two level, you get a max of 10 scholarships. But depending on your university, you may receive less. So for parents, just to prepare for, you know, if you do not receive a financial offer, it's okay to take a walk-on spot or to go to a junior college so you can prepare yourself for another year um, and then be able to attend a four-year school a year later. Okay, okay. So you mentioned that walk-on slot. Um, and for those of you that don't know, Coach Lamont coaches at uh, Division Two school. So how do you guys look at the walk-on players and, and use those, those opportunities to... Um, I, I guess the real question is, Players that walk on, what's the likelihood of them actually getting on the court and getting some meaningful minutes? Me meaningful oh, I'm glad you minutes. asked that. Uh, so this is a great example. We just graduated a young lady in May who was a walk-on. Um, and ironically, she ended up earning a scholarship. Not only that, she was a starter for us for two, two straight years. Um, and so just because you are a walk-on, I know me as a coach personally, I don't separate the two. If you're on our team, you're a member of our team. Uh, no one will know you're a walk-on unless you say something. And the only reason I'm telling you she's a walk-on is because in one of her final speeches that she did at our university, she talked about the opportunity of walking onto the team and becoming a part of something that was greater. Um, so, you know, you'll be surprised, especially at the Division II level with us only having a certain amount of scholarships. Good example, we have five full scholarships here. And so we have to be creative in the way we recruit. We have to recruit academically. We also have to recruit kids that are going to athletically get it done here. Uh, but we have to figure out other ways for the means for them to be college athletes. Definitely. And, and I think it's, uh, I like how the NCAA describes scholarships now. Before it was, you got an athletic scholarship, but now they look at the whole package in its totality as a scholarship. And so that kind of 
that took some of the stigma out of it, I think, from parents and students when they, when they look at from that aspect. So with, with that being said, how, how different has recruiting been for you these last almost 12 months now as far as you have a team, you have a roster, you guys didn't play this year. And so for you, I, I'm assuming that you're sitting there trying to weigh what players are going to come back what players you want to come back and then trying to fill those voids in recruiting. So has that changed your approach and really made it more selective for you and your staff and going about trying to find players? Coach Howard, that is a great question. And the answer is yes. Everything has changed with the way we're recruiting. Also with the type of players we're recruiting. I feel so bad for the class of 2021 because now as a college coach, and especially as a Division II college coach, we can be so selective on the kids that we recruit. Whereas prior to, you would be able to take what was left over from kids that did not attend a D1 school or sign a letter of intent, or looking at kids from a junior college that did not graduate. But now, because of everything going on, you have a lot of D1 schools that did sign kids early. And because of doing that, they may not have the scholarship money to actually keep someone that was going to be on a team this upcoming year that received the year of eligibility. So it has caused us to be a little picky in our choosing. Um, as of right now, all 15, I'm sorry, I have 16 players. All 16 of them are returning. And we actually can fill another spot because our point guard from Chicago did not come down this season. So we will actually probably sign a point guard. Uh, but we can be choicey. I mean, we have so many choices right now. And the thing is, would I go after a high school kid when I can take someone from a Division One school or junior yep. college that has a little bit more experience that could come in right away and be effective for us? Um, so that's why I feel bad for the 21 class, because we're going to go after some experience that can go along with our team that we've put together. Um, and so I'm excited about the future, you know, but I feel bad for 21. Even 22 is going to be affected. Because in 22, we would have had nine kids that would have graduated. And now you're talking about having an additional year of eligibility. So it just changes the dynamics of everything. And I've had this conversation a couple of times. Um, I think it's going to impact recruiting for the next five years. Um, with, you're right. With the way that they gave that blanket year of eligibility for everyone, it's going to be tough for the next four or five years um, for players who would have been role players on a Division I roster are now going to have to look at NAIA, Division III, JUCO, yeah. Division II. Like, and that's going to just trickle down to where the impact on what I like to call that tweener player who has the ability to play at a higher level, but would be more successful at a lower level. It's probably going to have to go to that lower level, which in turn may help the lower levels of basketball with better play, but <clears throat> it's going to impact them financially because they may have to pay to go to school now. I was saying that's so true. I, I agree with everything you're saying because it, it will affect 
for like five years because you're talking about a freshman class right now that we have that did not play this season. And even if we would have played, they still would have had an additional year. And so now you're looking at it, they will be here for almost five years. But as a Division II coach, I've had Division I schools come after a couple of our players because we play in one of the greatest conferences um, in Division II. We're in a century, well, the CIAA, a lot of people know we're the first and historically the first black college conference. And so we have a ton of competition in our league. And you're talking about a conference that's already tough, that's already tight. And now you have Division I schools that's going to be looking at your players. So even in five years, I expect some of my girls who were tweeners, who had opportunities to sign at a Division I school, but decided to come to Winston before the pandemic, will probably have that same opportunity if they graduate within the four-year period. They have that additional fifth year that they can now go anywhere they want. So everything you're saying is so accurate. So how does that impact then your approach to I'm just sitting here thinking it's like, man, your roster's pretty much set for the next two years. And Yeah. <laughs> and like so that allows you and your staff really to start recruiting earlier. And so that really impacts parents and student athletes because now where you may have been recruiting 11th or 12th graders, you can go down to 8th and 9th grade and start identifying talent if you want to and start building those relationships early. Mm -hmm. And you know what's hilarious about that comment? I have mainly been a division one college coach. And so at the D one level, that's what we always did. We built relationships because as an eighth grader, possibly ninth grader, you got to see the potential. And so we were always recruiting off potential at the D one level. When I first came to Winston-Salem state, that was the first thing I thought about is, okay, we got to recruit off potential, but it's not the same at the division two level, literally with five scholarships, it's not about potential anymore. 
It's about who's going to come in and be effective. And it took into my third season for me to understand that I have to recruit for effectiveness. I can recruit for potential, but I need to have at least two people in that spot already that can play and, and produce. Um, so it's a little different for me. I've always built relationships with AAU and high school coaches, and I still continue to do that. And you'll be surprised at how many of them will call me about kids that are in their conference, in their league, um, you know, even kids that they've seen that they thought would be a good fit here. So the relationship is going to be the same. But on this level, we still are going to recruit the transfers. We're going to still recruit junior college kids because they've proven themselves. I love high school players that have won championships. That's big for me. Um, of our freshman class that came in this year, they pretty much won state championships. And the reason why we went after those kids is because it's a different hunger. It's a different experience. And it's a different want when it comes to the game. Their wants are different because they've won. They understand that, OK, it takes the team to win this championship. It's not just about me. And so, you know, trying to make sure we have the right mold of players. That's what we're going to be looking at. And I ask coaches that all the time. I'm very selective in the type of kids we bring here to Winston because I'm I'm telling you, there's nothing like an HBCU experience. <laughs> you know, just the, the atmosphere, the way the people conduct themselves when it comes to, you know, the partying. But we're also very committed to our education. And so, you know, with, with that, you got to be able to handle both on and off the court. Definitely. Definitely. But no, I, I was I guess I was kind of getting at that. It kind of. You can. Fill your funnel, your recruiting funnel with some younger. Potential. Now, because of what the pandemic has created to build relationships, I guess. And and I think that's the big thing is that I don't think a lot of student athletes and parents understand the value that a relationship plays in recruiting. I always say it's, oh, it's probably 90% right. of recruiting. It, it truly is. It, it, I might even say it's 100% of recruiting is the relationships and and definitely speaking with the parents and the players and getting to know them. Um, when I was at Belmont with Cam Neubauer, we used to do this thing called the circle. And it was everyone that touches that kid is who we wanted to have relationships with. And at this point, we still do the same thing here at Winston. But I've had to learn how to humble myself because I still felt like we can get the best player to come here, regardless of if the D1 schools are looking at them or not. Uh, but what I've had to learn is that, no, we're going to get them on the back end because you have so many people that are so excited about the D1 experience that they miss out on what is the best fit for the experience. Um, I'm very honest with parents when I talk to them about that is that you got to go where your child is going to going to learn, grow and enjoy their experience. And I always get them on the back end when they're coming back like she hated it there. You know, so that relationship is key because. We've already built that and established something great with those parents and the student athlete. But then again, it's just it comes down to I want to be a D1 athlete. Um, and so, you know, even though building those relationships, that's the one thing that we always compete against. I always say. <clears throat> going to a school that wants you. Is a totally different experience than going to a school because the offer was there. Correct. And I don't think a lot of times 
parents and student athletes understand the difference. You're right. Because if I want you, and they... I'm going to sign you early. Mm-hmm. But if you're my fallback, I'm signing you in March. <laughs> and and in yes, your experience, in your experience, when you get here, it's going to be totally different than the kid that I signed early than the kid I signed in March. Because I'm trying to recruit over you if I signed you in March. A lot of times parents That's and that. student athletes don't understand that. No, they don't. And and I'm going to be honest, that is so accurate, especially as a D1 athlete and as a D1 coach, you've built the relationship for at least two years because you got to think at the D1 level, you started the junior year with being able to call that kid. Not to mention if there's someone you really want, their sophomore, freshman year, you've been in contact with the AAU and the high school coach. So it's not like you're new to them. They've already built a relationship around you. And the difference between Division One, Division Two is our recruiting list was like we had 100 kids on our recruiting list that we were calling or sending, sending emails to or sending letters to. But the ones we really wanted, we were on the phone with you every week. Um, and at the Division Two level, we spend the same type of time. Our list is just not as big because our list changes all the time. You'll get parents that say, no, nah, we're not interested. You know, your level's too small. Or if it's not a full scholarship, I'm not coming. Uh, so our list is constantly changing, but we signed late. Um, when I first got here, we signed early and we missed out on some great players that fell through the cracks from the D1 level that we could have signed late. So, you know, for us, signing late is actually a good thing. Um, but, you know, at that Division One level, you do want to sign all your kids early. But for us, we get a lot of those fallbacks that just didn't get that opportunity. So you mentioned <clears throat> signing late and. And then um, the full ride piece. So with five scholarships, I mean, at best, if you have them, you're giving half a scholarship to 10 kids. So that means you've got five players that better have some really good grades. Oh, yeah. And Winston actually did a great thing for me this year. We went to the final four in a CIAA tournament uh, with our five scholarships. And I just I made a statement. Imagine what we could do if we had just a couple more or if we had one more. And so, you know, I'm I'm very elated with our athletic department and with our university because they did allow us one more um, just to see what we can do with it. And, and we brought in a really good class with that one additional scholarship. And so, you know. When you don't have money, sometimes you have to go after kids that's going to get a full Pell Grant. Uh, yeah. Because then if you get full Pell, you're in state, you'll get money from our lottery system. You know, academically, if you're good, you can get some academic money. So those pieces actually fall into place. Uh, we don't give back all of the Pell Grant because we need that to help pay for the scholarship. And so those numbers come into play and help us out. And, and we've been very creative with the way we spend these scholarships. I tell you that. So. Former military, retired army officer. Have you guys had any post 9 11 GI Bill student athletes or military dependents that have come in and have leveraged their military benefits to make them more attractive to you as a coaching staff in recruiting? Yes, we have one right now that's on the GI Bill. 
Um, and it's it's been a great fit for us. She's one of our best leaders. And I'm going to be honest, I like military kids. Thank you for serving our country, by the way. Uh, thank you. You guys do so much and your sacrifices just sometimes I don't think people tell you guys thank you enough for the sacrifice because you had to leave behind your family, your loved ones to go and fight for us. And so I'm very appreciative for that. Um, but we do. We have we have a young lady on our team right now that is on the GI. And then there's a couple of other recruits we've been looking at. A couple are in Hawaii whose parents are still serving. And one parent has actually retired. And that's the one thing we're using, because what a lot of people don't know is that when you're in the military, you actually can go to any school in the United States as an in-state student. I learned that out because of the young lady that's on our team right now. So, you know, going after the military kids have been very beneficial for wonder about that because that was one of the approaches that I took at the division three level was because it's you can use that to get a better quality athlete why not try um and I think right. a lot more coaches really need to look at that and um leverage it because it's free money at the end of the day, and a lot of those kids, if you're a, a yellow ribbon school program, they're going to school for free. Now, okay. that's new. I didn't know about the yellow ribbon. So that's something I'm going to go ahead and try to uh, look more into that one. Definitely. Because <laughs> so, I didn't know about the yellow ribbon. There's a list that they put out every year. And there are colleges that sign up for this yellow ribbon program. And so if the first question you would probably ask admissions is, are we a yellow ribbon school program? And what they do is, so the army will, with the uh, post 9-11 GIB, pay the tuition rate for the average college in that state, public, public university in that state. And then the right. uni university agrees to match the difference. And so that kid basically is going, and then so you tack on their, um, their benefits from, because they get an allowance. They get a housing allowance right. as well. So when you tack that That's on correct. with the yellow ribbon in the post 9-11, free ride. Huh. I'm going to ask about that yellow ribbon, but I do know we're uh, with my one player. She does get the, the GI and the housing supplement. So that's going to yep. be something I'm going to look in. If, if wow. you guys are a yellow ribbon program, that'll make up the difference. 
Okay. Yeah. I'm going. Thank you. I know oh, that no, every no home, after homecoming and after graduation, we're always, you know, conducting our new officers and and then we've had a lot of military people that have graduated from our institution, especially our nursing program, which is one of the tops mm-hmm. in the state in the country. So I'm gonna look into that. Thank you. No, oh, definitely, no problem. So as we got about eight minutes left, we can we can we can trek down this road a little bit. So as you guys are, how has your recruiting changed with COVID and everything like that? Are you more watching streams, a um, lot of video now, a lot of full game video? Like how, how, is that, how has it impacted the recruiting for you and your staff? Yes, I do not watch full game videos, so I'm going to be honest with that. Um, Because now I'm getting more and more videos because so many parents are panicking and I can understand, you know, my daughter is a senior right now and she plays on her basketball team. So I can understand the panic alert, but I don't have time to watch all the film that comes my way. I do watch streams. I'll watch the first and last quarter unless it was a blowout. Then I'll turn into like either the second quarter or the third quarter. Um, There's a lot of services that people are selling, but I'm going to be honest, you really don't have to buy it. I tell a lot of parents that beforehand, you know, you're spending money that you can be utilizing for other things. Uh, but I, I do like to see a lot of the highlight videos that gives me an idea of someone that I'm interested in. Cause some of the highlights, if they're scoring from the free throw line, then I know right there, this is not going to work. <laughs> but you know, if your daughter's doing like pull-ups or, you know, can shoot the three or she's taking it and making a good assist, you know, those are things that we look for. But you know, COVID has changed things because of the video. We're now doing like official visits via Zoom. <laughs> We're walking around campus on FaceTime, just, you know, promoting who we are and showing who we are. But COVID has changed the dynamics of everything. Like in April, we normally have a walk-on tryout, uh, but we haven't been able to have it. And I don't think we're going to probably be able to do it this year unless, you know, the numbers go down some. So everything has changed. Yeah, I can imagine. I can only imagine. So, Coach, we got about five minutes left. I'll give the floor to you, give you an opportunity to talk about your program, what you guys have going on there, the university. Show The floor is yours. Well, first off, I'm, I'm upset that we're about to end. This has been very good and very uh, I've learned so much already. But a little bit about Winston-Salem State. We are an HBCU in the great state of North Carolina. We're located in Winston-Salem. Uh, North Carolina was founded in 1892. Our founder, Simon Green Atkins, or Dr. Simon Green Atkins, had a vision to have an institution here in the city where he was a principal and wanted to create more teachers in our area. What he thought was a small one-room shack ended up turning into something great. Uh, we have a mass comm program, which has produced Stephen A. Smith and a lot of other different people that are on television. Uh, our nursing program, again, is one of the tops in the state. We have a physical therapy program, which has also been tops in the nation. For four straight years, we had people passing that exam at 100% rate. So people come after right. our student athletes here. Uh, we also are very well known for our sport management program, our sciences. Uh, so this is just a great institution. Athletically, we've won so many different CIAA tournaments and CIAA championships. The only team that hasn't won is our women's basketball team. 
So that is the main thing that I sell to recruits. Come help us do and be the first. Um, that is the reason why I came back here. I graduated from Winston-Salem State. So that tells you my love for this institution. It made me who I am. And it took a chance on a kid that didn't know what she wanted out of life and maybe want something great. And that's what we do here. We make sure that you understand there's a balance. Um, and we expect you to know who you are going to be once you get here. So, you know, being able to learn about your history, being able to learn about the rich culture. We actually have a gallery on campus. Dick's Gallery is an art gallery and is one of the tops in the country. A lot of people come and put their artwork and showcase it here. Uh, so, you know, the majority of our majors have to do internships in order to graduate. And I think that's the greatest thing. You have work experience before you go out there. That's why we're number one in our state right now when it comes to hiring, because we have work experience. Here's a great story for you. Because of that work experience, I had to do an internship my senior year in college. It was at the University of Tennessee, and I was with the athletic director, Joan Cronin. Uh, while working there, I was able to interact with Pat Summit all the time because I was in the same office. Who knew by me doing that internship that it would turn into me being a coach? I literally wanted to shadow the greatest athletic director, in my opinion, which was Joan Cronin. And instead, I was shadowing one of the greatest coaches in the country. So. You know, things like that, where we say you can go from here to anywhere. That's what Winston is about. Our motto is enter to learn and depart to serve. And so that's what we do. We want to serve um, not only our community and ourselves and our families, but we want to serve and be of service to this country. So thank you. Good stuff, Coach. Thank you for, again, for agreeing to come on and uh, taking the time to sit down with little old me. I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> I don't know about little old you. I mean, you served our country. You're the man. You've been a college coach and you're up here helping all of these different families and kids. So you're not little, sir. You're a little bit bigger than you want to give yourself credit for. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, folks, this has been Coach Talk. Thanks for tuning in. Catch the next episode.